here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Robin McCarron. He is sounding off, drunk, in the middle of the road, in a snowstorm, wherever he is. Jeff Hawkins. They give them a big middle finger! <laughs> You're listening to... Shake Them Ropes with Rob McCarron and Jeff Hawkins. I honestly would have rather gotten a DUI tonight. Wow. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a special Thursday and weekend edition of Shake Them Ropes. This is Shake Them Ropes episode 118. Rob McCarron, Jeff Hawkins here today to preview Sunday's WWE Survivor Series and... Later in the show, Jeff, we are going to review in a retro fashion the 1998 Survivor Series, the deadly game WWE title tournament, because it reminded me so much of what's happening this week with Survivor Series and the crowning of a new champion in the tournament. So we uh, we both went back and watched the 1998 Survivor Series. How'd you feel after watching that show, Jeff? <laughs> I've now watched it twice in about four days. Uh- <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, I appreciate the long con of it, to be honest with you. I, 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 if they had planned all of this and all the moving pieces to come together to this point, it's possibly the best planned survivor series or even maybe even pay-per-view ever. Yeah. It, uh, I mean the story at the end there and how it transitioned into a pretty big, uh, period for WWE. In fact, uh, like basically this show kicked off what they were going to do at WrestleMania and so forth. Uh, In that regard, it was a big deal. It was newsworthy, but we'll talk about this show in depth later on. I was exhausted after watching this show. I know know it said it took you five hours to watch the first hour. Oh, it it took me 15, basically. (laughs) I started watching it yesterday and then, you know, finished it today, but uh, it took me a long time. We'll talk about 1998 Survivor Series Deadly Game in retrospect, and we will be back in just a moment with the Wrestling Observer Newsletter's Dave Meltzer as Dave helps Jeff and I preview this Sunday's WWE Survivor Series. We'll be right back with Dave. All right, welcome back. We are here on Shake Them Ropes. Rob and Jeff here joined now to preview WWE Survivor Series with the Wrestling Observer Newsletter's Dave Meltzer. Dave... You can find him at Dave Meltzer, W-O-N, on Twitter. Dave, how are you tonight? I'm good. It's been a, uh, it's been a relatively busy week, uh, not just as we go into Survivor Series, but a lot of news in the world of, of U.S. pro wrestling happening. I want to thank you for taking the time uh, to come on with us to preview Survivor Series. Before we get into the matches and kind of the big stuff going on in Survivor Series, as we head into Sunday, what is your overall thoughts? How are you feeling headed into Survivor Series compared to other pay-per-views this year? I think that the championship situation probably saved the show to a degree, but it, it kind of flipped the show around as well. So maybe had it not happened this way, 
just the, the Rollins Reigns match might have been built up to be something good, but we won't know because they had to stop and go in a different direction. Uh, so the tournament, I think the tournament added some interest to a degree, not as much as I would have expected. I don't feel, but but some, and um, Undertaker and Kane being on the card a little bit, but uh, mm, I just think normal pay per view. I mean, in the sense of yeah, normal level of interest. I don't see anything high or low. Do, do you feel like with Undertaker being on the show and it's what his third pay-per-view in a matter of four months is, is that a lot for what we're used to seeing for the Undertaker to where it's, it, it, it's, it's a lot. And I think he means less on this one than in any of the other ones. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, 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 you know, but it, it's in a tag match. It's against, you know, it's against unknown opponents, but we know it's going to be two of four people that aren't really anything special. So I, I mean, it's, yeah, I think it's a, he he means less for this show than any of the others, but I also think that they want a big star on every show because they're very you know I mean they're they're afraid to do a pay per view without somebody special on the show now, unless it's like a you know rumble where they don't have to. Mm-hmm. And, and as we had, there's one more pay per view in between this and the Royal Rumble TLC, and that'll be really interesting to see if they, I mean, any word on if they might bring Brock Lesnar back or if they're just going to run with whoever wins this tournament and make them the headliner for TLC? Brock's working a bunch of dates in December, so I don't know if that means that they will or they won't. I mean, he's working L.A. Uh, He might be working Minneapolis, although I don't know that to be a fact, and I know he's working Houston. So um, I don't know if that makes sense that he would do another one. I I think it would. Um, but I, I haven't, I haven't heard for sure. Well, let's talk this survivor series show. We'll, we'll start with the, the title tournament. Cause that is the big deal of this pay-per-view, especially the main event was originally going to be Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, a main event. I personally was looking uh, forward to now, if the plan all along, if we're to assume that Roman Reigns was going to win the championship here, is that a relatively safe assumption first? And would you believe that he w- was going to, okay. uh, if he is. I don't think there's anything like a safe assumption because you're you're talking Vince and he changes his mind mm-hmm. and you just never know what, what's going to happen. But I, I would think that him or him and him or Dean Ambrose would probably win, um, and it, if and the winner could go heel, uh, you know, whichever one wins because they obviously need a new top heel. We need a we need a new top heel, and, and that's. I think one of those prevailing theories so far on this show is that whoever wins this tournament, if it's Roman Reigns, then it was all according to plan. If it's, you know, Dean Ambrose or someone else, then they're they're joining the authority and that'll be the new heel thing and there's going to be some type of screw job. WWE released a video on YouTube today, the Roman Reigns journey, where he promises a win of this championship. Uh, is that a red herring, do you think? Are they releasing all this stuff to get you excited for Reigns' win only for them to swerve? Only they know. Um, <laughs> it just seems like they're trying really hard to get you to forget that Reigns was, you know, you know, the 100% person who was going to win this match, and we're just going to throw you a curveball. But here until then, we're going to feed you a bunch of stuff that sends you in the way of Roman Reigns winning. Um, I, I kind of personally think they should stick to the plan. I would like to see a Roman Reigns win to see what they actually do to him. I know Jeff, uh, Jeff had a comparison he wanted to ask you about with Roman Reigns if he weren't to win this tournament. Right, Dave, if they don't put the belt on Roman Reigns at this point, and I thought they were going to hold off till WrestleMania and do kind of a rematch with Brock, but it looks like that's not going to be the plan. Does he become kind of the Lex Luger from 1988-1989 Jim Crockett where he's the guy who can't win the big one in the 
crowd's eyes? Actually, I think he'd be closer to Lex Luger of uh, 1993 or four. Okay. Where where they went so hard with him and then pulled back at the wrong time. Right. And then people lost interest because I don't think that um, I don't think that the, the that Lex Luger was real hurt in WCW. He you know by what they did, he seemed he seemed to be you know doing pretty well. But WWF, he was absolutely hurt when he didn't right. win the championship. He really never did mean a lot because people just saw it as a you know so much hype for a failure. Whereas in WCW, it was it was normal hype. I mean, it, he, they didn't hype him any more than a lot of other guys. And you know he they they screwed him over and over and uh, by the you know I think that what happened with him was that Sting got more popular not necessarily more of a drawing card but he definitely got more popular so they went heel with Luger and Luger was a good heel and then they made the the big problem was when Sting got hurt and they brought him back babyface right. which which he wasn't ready it was too early and then they wanted to put the title on him but then they also wanted to put it on Luger so they kind of booked themselves in a corner. And then I think at that point, yeah, Luger started losing steam and then he went heel again. And then that was, you know, one turn too many. So the, the semifinal tournament matches are going to be Roman Reigns versus Alberto Del Rio. And then Dean Ambrose versus Kevin Owens of those two matches, which one would you say has the chance to be the best in ring? And, well, and, and the Ambrose match will be, will, will probably be the best match. Cause I just, I'm, I'm not that confident in Del Rio. I haven't seen anything from him on this run that's that's been that great. So I mean, we'll see. He's, he's if you know if if he's going to have a great match, you know that's that would be the match to do it in. You know, with Roman Reigns their heir apparent. So so we'll see. The guy looks Alberto Del Rio. He's he's gotten in great shape. He looks the part more so than he did you know in his ending days with WWE two years ago. Um, I mean, he certainly got himself into shape, but do you think he's motivated doing this role? Do you think he's motivated coming back or, or is it just a money grab? Um, I think it's a lot of, um, a money grab. I, I don't see him wanting it that bad. Uh, and I, I, I can't imagine that he would be happy with the role with, with Zeb. I mean, it's not, it's just not a good role. It's not, it's not good oh. for either of them. I mean, they're both good, but 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 with each other, it doesn't work. And then we the final here. My my prediction for the final, Jeff. I want to get your prediction for the final. My prediction would be the Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose. I know this means absolutely nothing, but the WWE uh, card game on iOS, the Super <laughs> Card game, has a head to head between Romans uh, Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose. Uh, in their little event this week, which a lot of people looked at on Twitter. Oh, it's a spoiler. Not necessarily, but that would be my prediction, Dave. I mean, am I far off thinking that it's got to be Ambrose and Reigns, whether they do a Reigns win, whether they do an Ambrose win, whether someone turns, that's probably the final we're looking at. I think so. Um, they could do it. I, I, I can't see it not being Reigns. I think Reigns is a lock. And I think that um, I would favor Ambrose over, um, over Owens. But it wouldn't be it wouldn't shock me if it's Owens. Um, it just depends on again. It all depends on what their goals are next. If if mm-hmm. uh, if the goal is somehow to do a personal issue with Reigns, and again we go, we also have Sheamus who's probably gonna in some form maybe be involved. But oh God, he's just not he's <laughs> yeah. not over. Yeah. What do you what do you think about that, Jeff? Uh, what's mm-hmm. your prediction for the final and the chances that Sheamus somehow walks out as the champion? 
I think it's going to be Reigns Ambrose as well, and I think they're going to play up the story of. I think putting him against Del Rio. I think they're going to bring back the arm injury from Raw. Give a couple cross arm breakers, and the whole story is going to be kind of trying to tease Will Ambrose go after the injured arm of his friend to go after the gold. Uh, that said, I I got pure fifty fifty that Sheamus comes down, cashes in, broke kicks Ambrose, and steals the title. Yeah, I, I would say it's a little unpredictable in that regard because, yeah, I, I think there's three people with a really good chance to walk out as champion, Reigns, Ambrose, and Sheamus. Um, I would go ahead and I, I just hope that WWE sticks to the plan that they were having. I, it may not be the popular opinion, but I would like a Roman Reigns title win for them to actually give it the shot and see what they do going into WrestleMania with Reigns potentially being a baby or a heel as the champion in there. Uh, but with with uh, these main events possible, I mean, the tournament is the big deal on the show. Taking the tournament matches out, because I agree, Kevin Owens and Dean Ambrose looks like it could be really great, especially if given time. What is the match you're looking forward to most on the show? Because there aren't a lot of other options, Dave. That, that would be the match. Yeah. Dolph Ziggler, Tyler Breeze doing anything for you? They had really good matches at the house shows, every report. So I, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, it's not a blow away, I can't wait match for it, but I think it's probably going to be really good, um, which would be good for, for Tyler Breeze because... Uh, you know, he hasn't had that great match on the main roster yet. So, so um, if he has a great match here, it's a, it's a good way to kick off his run. Especially against Dolph Ziggler. I think they'll both be motivated to do something uh, high on the show. I think they'll both be real motivated, actually, yeah. Oh, yeah. And we talked a little bit about Kane and The Undertaker. I mean, we got the Dolph Ziggler-Tyler Breeze match that was made official on SmackDown uh, tonight as we tape this. The three Survivor Series title matches, title tournament matches, the semifinals and the, the finals... We also got the Kane Undertaker versus Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. It looks like those are the two going into the ring with Kane and the Undertaker. And I just have memories of when Chronic came in to WWE and did the <laughs> angle with Kane and the Undertaker to where and they were in there with a stiff guy, uh, stiff guys, really, that couldn't work all that great and were coming from a promotion where they didn't have to do long matches. Is WWE in for, Are they in for a repeat with Braun Strowman being in there in a big match with Undertaker and Kane, Dave? Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, I, I think that it's going to be Harper and somebody, but I don't know who the other yeah. one will be. It, it, you know, I, I think it won't be Rowan. I think it'll be Strowman or, or Bray. Well, it looks like on SmackDown tonight, it was Bray and Braun. That, those are the two. Could be. Yeah. It easily could be. Yeah, those are the two. Unless they do something else, uh, it looks like but, those I mean, are going to be the, the two. The thing is, is that without, when you take out Harper out of the mix, you're, you're really taking out a lot of the match. It hurts. It hurts. I mean, Jeff, how... Because he's the one... He's the one guy who could bump for those guys yeah. and, and, and everything that would make it really good. Bray's, Bray, will be a, Bray will be fine, but, I mean, Bray and Undertaker wasn't that great at WrestleMania, and Bray and Kane isn't a good match. And then uh, Strowman, you know, he, they got to pick spots for him because if he's in for too long, it won't be good. And the, the opportunities for opponents for The Undertaker are kind of dropping as we get more and more big names that won't be available for WrestleMania, and we have all the injuries that have happened with Seth Rollins and so forth and Randy Orton possibly missing all the way to, uh, to later on in the year. I, is Braun Strowman someone who's a serious candidate to get like the Undertaker match at WrestleMania? I think he's a chance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because they're 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 um, booking him this way for somebody, and it's and it, it, somebody's got to be Reigns or uh, you know Reigns Lesnar or Undertaker. I'm just not sure which one of the three it's going to be. Jeff, who do you see winning this one, and does Braun make a strong showing? This is the one that I think is going to be overbooked to to the point where they're going to monkey with it. all the stuff we're doing with the title tournament. I think that's going into this 
Br Wyatt's Undertaker Kane match. And I know this sounds ridiculous. Don't don't get me wrong, but this just screams that some sort of supernatural thing where Bray still has control of Kane and we get the 1000th Kane turn in the world and Undertaker ends up getting beat down and has to leave until the road to WrestleMania. I, that's the only way I can see it because there's no reason to do this two-on-two -two match after Kane and Undertaker already beat up all four of the Wyatt family. It's superfluous in so many ways that there something's not right here and someone should see that something's not right here. So I just think that they're going to do something for some kind of ridiculous plot furthering here. Like maybe when Kane was taken away, he's still under control of Bray or something to that effect. Now, Dave, I wanted to get your thoughts because there's an advertisement out there for a five-on-five -five elimination match, and it is Survivor Series, and you don't often go without an elimination match on the show, but we don't know what that match is going to be. Is that right? Yeah, they haven't announced anything. I'm thinking it's going to be like the Usos and Ryback and mm -hmm. New Day and then each having two, two other partners, but I don't know that. Yeah, it certainly seems like that would fit. Like I had an idea that they might go with all the tournament losers, the ones who aren't Dolph and you know, Tyler Breeze, because they have 10 of them. Um, it's just, it's just, it's weird that we are this close to the pay-per-view and we have what six matches announced what that have actual participants, but this five on five elimination match, nothing. I mean, for all we know, it could be on the pre-show of this because I, I know you had mentioned earlier on your website that Sasha Banks was scheduled for the pre-show match. Is that looking still likely or do you think all cards? I haven't, are heard, I haven't heard anything since before TV. I heard yeah. it before TV, but, but she hasn't even been, she wasn't even on TV. So to me, if she wasn't on TV, that that makes um, unlikely in my mind, because they done they didn't hint anything. So I, I, I don't yeah. think there's gonna be anything to it. Yeah, it's it's weird to see. Obviously, they're focusing this show on the title tournament, which is another reason why I hope they kind of just play ball with the title and don't do too much craziness, because this show mm -hmm. is entirely built around that. You know, outside of maybe the people who have interest in Kane and the Undertaker teaming up again as the Brothers of Destruction. Uh, but and that's that's basically our show. Now, one of the angles that has been hot since uh, Monday's Raw, hot necessarily not or not necessarily good or a bad thing. The final match on the show is the Divas Championship, Charlotte versus Paige. And WWE sent out a statement. Dave, you posted it on Wrestling Observer. The WWE statement uh, indirectly kind of <laughs> talking about this angle from Monday's Raw. I want to read the statement, Dave, and then I want to get your thoughts on it and how it kind of plays into this match that we're seeing on Sunday. Uh, subject matter this personal is only approved as a result of the strong advocacy of talent themselves. Notwithstanding that, WWE is ultimately responsible for what airs in its programming. Uh, they didn't necessarily in that statement say that they regret the decision, and they ended up showing the entire uh, the Reed Flair line on SmackDown again this week, highlighting it, singling it out. Uh, WWE is doubling down on this line. What are your thoughts on uh, on the build to Charlotte and Paige, Dave? I think it's pretty tasteless, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, they're throwing her under the bus, which is... Uh, it's amazing. I, mean, I, guess it's the, I, I, guess, I guess it's, you know, when you, when you look at it, it was the only answer they had. They weren't going to apologize. So when you're not going to apologize, you have to blame someone. Um, and and they, they are taking some of the blame. But they are, in effect, blaming the victim here. They are blaming the one who was most likely offended at saying this line because they're trying to they're trying to put it out there that this was almost Charlotte's idea that she really pushed for this oh, angle. Oh, they're, 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 they're absolutely, absolutely. With the whole idea that uh, you know, 
I mean, that, the whole idea is that you can't blame us. The family is fine with it. The, the thing that screwed that up was was Rick Beth immediately going on Twitter saying she wasn't, and then Rick, who they you know probably thought there's no way Rick's going to say anything bad about us, and he did. And I think that was the one where they they just figured you know Rick would never do it. And when that happened, then you know they you know you know Rick wasn't happy. You know Beth wasn't happy. So what do you you've got to say that it was her idea? There's no other way you can you you know you you you, you can't. Do that because if you apologize that on this one, it justifies all the people complaining, and they didn't mm-hmm. want to do that either. So it was that, that was the only answer that that you could have. At, at the end of the day, though, you think that Vince is probably really happy with the coverage this is getting, right? That the heat in his mind this is building. Mm, it, it depends. Um, I know that they're very unhappy with the story that came out. Not from me, but I know that there was a story that came out today that that uh, they were very unhappy with. I don't know where I, I believe it was from in the UK. So unhappy with just like the negative coverage of it. Cause, cause yeah. the mainstream hasn't picked this up that highly. Uh, you know, ESPN no, no, did the no, angle. No, but somebody in, somebody in the UK did that, that uh, was mainstream enough that, or important enough that, that they weren't happy with it. So about the actual match, uh, I, I have, I have Charlotte probably defending her championship here. I don't know if this angle from Monday has any, any impact on changing the result that might've been, scheduled ahead of time. Uh, Jeff, where do you stand? Who's winning the Divas Championship? Charlotte retaining or is Paige winning? Well, that goes to a question I have for Dave because I listened to the Ric Flair podcast and and you did make note that, yeah, Rick said a lot by not saying what was being said here. Is Charlotte in the doghouse? Nevertheless. Not that I'm aware of. I mean, I haven't heard of anything that, that I haven't heard of anything that, that, that would have her in the doghouse. The only thing I think that could put her in the doghouse was if she complained about the angle, which she isn't going to do. But right. if she did that, then she would be in the doghouse for sure. But she hasn't done that. Yeah, because I know Rick expressly said, I don't want to get her in trouble. But it seems like all this negative publicity may inadvertently just do that as a result. Um, God, they, they can't blame either of those women for following, I know. For following the script. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, they they fired Muhammad Hassan for doing a terrorist angle, even though that was his character. So I mean, that's true. Yeah, but but they they had other reasons on in his in his part. But okay, but uh, but they did do that. And and you know, one the other one is is that one got them so much bad pub. They were in trouble because they couldn't use the character because UPN had told them he's never allowed on our air again. And right. so once once you've got a network, one of your two networks saying he's not going to be on our show, then you kind of have to get rid of him. It's it's an apples and oranges comparison in many ways. I, I get that, but it's also you know kind of not necessarily blaming the victim, but you know it, it's all that the, they they bring this on themselves and then they don't know how to react at times to me. Um, but I think overall Charlotte should retain if if there's no heat on her. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's too early, and there's there's um, other women that should be in that position to challenge her before she loses. So yeah, I think it's early, but, but it wouldn't surprise me if page won at all. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's just so weird that this statement came out and what it did, but Hey, if they, if they're going to double down on it, we'll see what happens on Sunday and we'll see if they show it even again on the pay-per-view. But I, I, I believe they will. Yeah. If they, if they're not shy from holding it on SmackDown, even doing a last minute edit or anything like that, I guess we're, we're yeah, in they, for the more. The fact that they didn't do an edit that tells me that, that, they're they're happy with it. They did in a sponsored video. I was I was so <laughs> interested in that. Not only did they show it again, but they showed it and it was sponsored. 
if you're if you're that sponsor, how happy are you? Um, that's um, the show. I don't think it makes a difference unless people are calling. If people are calling, then they won't be happy very quickly. Yeah, because we're we're in a pretty uh a pretty big bubble here, especially the Twitterverse that got the most upset with this. I, it's a small faction. It's not like anyone's calling sponsors and saying we're not going to buy your products anymore because of what was on TV. And stock analysts aren't watching the show all three hours on a Monday to see what's going on on the product. It's it's one of those things where it seems loud, but it's per, it's pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, now, but, now in the planning in the planning of that line, is it your opinion that they did that for the Greenville crowd because that's flair country and they're hoping to kind of get that, for lack of a better comparison, the groan that. Sasha Banks got when she took Izzy's headband that kind of that outrage from a loyal fan base to hopefully carry over to the rest of the people that they then hate Paige. I think to a degree, the, the you know, the fact that they were there played a part in it. Yes. But I don't know that they had that much thought put into it of, of the ramifications. Okay. Dave, what's your favorite survivor series? <laughs> Man, that's a tough one. Um, Oh, off the top of my head, I'd have to kind of, I mean, none of, it's not like Royal Rumbles and SummerSlams that stick out. So I really... Um, That's true. I, would you say that the 97 one has for sure been best for business as far as that goes, especially for what you're doing? I mean, the most memorable with the with the big angle between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Uh, most memorable for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know that... I'm, I, You know, it's like, I'm, I'm, as far as like remembering that show, I mean, I remember the Bret and Shawn match was very good, but I don't like have like like distinct memories of the undercard so much so um but yeah survivor series 97 was the most famous largest ramifications and all that yeah and then was a good show right until that finish yeah because i i mean i mean jeff do you do you remember one single match from last year's survivor series that wasn't the main event no because i i certainly <laughs> i remember i mean i remember more than wwe does because i remember sting was involved in the main event yeah, and in the finish of the uh, multiple-person match where they had the company at stake, and then they reversed the decision. Oh, God, that. A couple weeks later, yeah. How, how they memorable. Played, they, they just played that, up, that whole thing up on Raw a couple weeks ago. Played the whole angle, didn't mention Sting one bit. Uh, Jeff and I, uh, we watched the 1998 Survivor Series, the Deadly Game Tournament uh, that we're going to talk about later on in this podcast uh, because it, it, it reminded me of that show based on what's going on right now with the title tournament. It was the first Survivor Series ever to not have an elimination match. They rushed through, you know, 14 matches on that show. Um, I know it was so long ago, and I don't really mean to put you on the spot, but is there anything you can remember from that 98 Survivor Series where they redid the Montreal angle, they had the title tournament? Anything you recall watching at the time that surprised you or went into that show? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know if there's anything that really... Um, I don't know. Yeah, nothing pops into my head, no. And that uh, that show too. We'll talk about the uh, the Rock and Steve Austin kind of kicked off their push to the the WrestleMania main event in the following year. Uh, but we did get some questions. That's that's Survivor Series. I mean, until we really know the five on five match and we we know the pre show match and we we got the card right there. It's six matches with participants announced. The big story is the WWE title. You know, I I hope Roman Reigns walks out with it. That's my personal hope. I would say there's a bigger chance that he walks out with it than anyone else. But we'll see with uh, with Dean Ambrose and all that. Uh, but we got a couple of questions that you know we wanted to get into uh, WWE related with you, Dave, and some listener questions here. Um, first, La Sombra, La Sombra from CMLL showed up at the Performance Center today. He started with WWE this week. 
Um, anything you can tell us or our listeners out there what to expect kind of from La Sombra and, you know, how big this is internationally? It's, it's, it's very big in Mexico because he was really one of the top stars there. Uh, you don't, you just don't know how it's going to react because, um, like Sin Cara was supposed to be this giant star and obviously they never worked out. So you just, I think Sombra's got a chance. I think, honestly, I think you'd been better with a mask, but, but WWE doesn't think that way. And so we'll see what, you know, I mean, his, his like presence and, and heel mannerisms and, and everything in Mexico, were, you know, without the mask were very good. So, um, I think that there's, you know, some kind of prerequisite there. Careful, Dave. They may make him the third Sin Cara. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been waiting for him to put someone else under that mask, you know, especially <laughs> on, yeah. honestly before like when the second Sin Cara, when, you know, Hunico was playing this role and they signed Kalisto, I wouldn't have been surprised for a second if they just put Kalisto under the same Sin Cara mask at some point. Now it's a little too late to do that, obviously, but you know, I was I was waiting for that moment there where they put Kalisto under the mask and they still very well could put someone else under there if they were uh, so inclined at some point. They may, maybe the Sin Cara gimmick will go on forever. Like 50 years from now in WWE, <laughs> if it's still around, you'll still have Sin Cara wrestling. God, I hope not. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a pretty stupid idea on my part. But Aust, Austin Aries was spotted at Full Sail University, Dave. Um, anything you've heard on that? I mean, is is Austin he, he, Aries he in that? I, I know he didn't wrestle on the show, so they may have done a tape, a pre-tape with him. But but um, you know, he didn't like walk in and and, and do a surprise match. No, no. Uh, I, you're you're saying I, in the newsletter this week, and it's an excellent issue of the newsletter. Go to WrestlingObserver.com. Sign up. You get news from Dave Meltzer every week on the biggest stories of WWE and the world of pro wrestling all around. Uh, but WWE seems gung-ho on signing people. Sombra today, Austin Aries is showing up. James Storm uh, has been in recently. Um, they're going for it now, aren't they? They're trying. They're trying, yeah. yeah. And then with, with all the controversy uh, of the Paige Charlotte angle, with TNA and ROH getting new TV homes, John Cena doing the Fox show, what would you say was the most important or even the most interesting story to you this week? Nick Bogman was dead. Yeah. The, the most important to me, you know, um, by far, actually, yeah. Yeah, you wrote a uh, a touching piece in the Observer this week too. How hard was that on you? It was hard. <laughs> <laughs> they're always they're always very hard because you know, especially when you have a career like that. Because when I you know I write it and I think I'm done, and then I'll remember ten more things, and then it's always you know comes down to the wire, and then I'll remember ten more things after I send a thing to the printer and put it up on the website. So, um, and I always feel I could do better on something like it, especially when it's, you know, the same week. I, you know, when it first happened, my, my mentality was to wait a week and, you know, just do like a page and mm-hmm. then do the big story next week. But I, when I started writing it, there were just so many things that came out and it was almost like the story's so big that if I only do a page on it, it's kind of weak, but I had so much done. Cause I had like a, uh, you know, a Tenru show thing and a Don Fargo thing that I ended up not even using that I'll probably use next week. So, um, you know, I just didn't want to do two giant old bits because I had in the same issue. That's kind of overkill. Do you think it was a bad move that they didn't put the two minute video that they were pointing everybody towards on the network on Raw? Because I was expecting when they said go to the WWE network that there'd be, you know, maybe like a half hour clip show or something of, of Bachwinkle. And it was just that a quick two minute thing. And I felt kind of. I thought he kind of got the short shrift there, given his legacy. Yeah. Um, 
I, I mean, they should have put it on TV. I think the guy was a big enough star, but he yeah. wasn't their big star. You know, like I mean, no, when, when 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 Crusher died, if you remember, I mean, they never even mentioned it anywhere. I mean, they may have made a mention on the website, but I don't even know if they did. And you know, the guys that aren't their guys, uh, I think they did do a lot actually with Fargo, but I think that was because of Lawler. Um, right. I thought they were going to do a lot with him because of Lawler, but Lawler's on the SmackDown show, and the SmackDown show is usually where they don't do it. But but maybe it's... I haven't watched SmackDown tonight yet, because it's, you know, it's not aired yet on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know, so I don't know if they if they did have Lawler say something. I mean, he should have. Lawler, you know, Lawler said a lot we were very nice about Bockwinkle over the years. Right, it's just that he was a Hall of Famer for the WWE, so there is a connection there right. that they could have done on right, the right, network. Right, that's why, that's why yeah. I thought they were going to... That's why I thought they were going to mention it and do the clip, is because he's in their Hall of Fame, so that's you know, they usually do that. Yeah. Speaking of Hall of Fames, uh, your Hall of Fame issue of The Observer came out recently. You know, one of the biggest issues that you do every year. Uh, up for nomination this year was Brian Danielson. One of the listeners asked, were you surprised that uh, Brian Danielson had a lack of Hall of Fame support specifically amongst the active and retired wrestlers in the voting pool? Shocked. Not so much retired wrestlers, active wrestlers. I was shocked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, when, when he didn't, you know, he got a lot of votes. I mean, he got a ton of votes, but it wasn't 60%. And, you know, when I'm tallying it up, I thought that he would, it probably had a lot and, and probably was going to make it, and, and he didn't. And then when I looked it up, and it's like, well, you know, I thought every reporter voted for him. And he, I think he was like number one or number two among reporters. Mm-hmm. But I thought like every single reporter voted for him. So, you know, what kept him out? And then I looked, and it was like 12% among active wrestlers. And it was like, that, that surprises me. I don't know. You know, I just, yeah, I, I thought that, that was going to be like where his, where his strength was. I thought that the historians wouldn't do well with he wouldn't do well with him, and, and he did. And I thought that with the older wrestlers, he wouldn't do well, um, and he didn't do well with them. Did you get any feedback from any current wrestlers as to why they didn't vote for him? Nope, nope. Mm. I don't think so. I can't uh, um, can't really come up with anyone who like wrote me something about why. I mean, there are people who sort of are are like, hey, I'm going to do ten people. Um, and I'm going to do it based on who I think deserves in first. And I think that he maybe deserves in, but, but not ah. yet type of a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, but no one actually said that to me, but I do get that vague stuff with, with people, you know, like who, who don't vote for the current guys as much. So there may be a little bit, I mean, a little bit to that. And, you know, that's what kept him out. I, I mean, I expect next year he's going in just because look at all those votes. So many guys taken off the table. There's going to be all kinds of new votes. And I think that um, he's one of the stronger candidates for next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know people that I talked to uh, that we had conversations about, you know, our ballots and and who might be the strongest candidates. There were a lot of candidates on a lot of people's ballots. I mean, you saw there were there were a ton of inductees into the Hall of Fame this year. Uh, I, I think once it clears out, you might be right. I think Danielson gets in next year. Uh, Chris Harrington on our forums uh, actually sent this one in. Uh, he wants to know if you've ever had any interaction with uh, WWE attorney Jerry McDevitt. Oh yeah, all the time, constantly, <laughs> for for twenty five years. Is it more? Uh, longer, but maybe longer than twenty five years. Is it always yeah. work related, or we could, would you consider yourself uh, friends in a way? <laughs> I don't know about friends. Okay, friendly, cordial, cordial, definitely cordial. Yeah. Yeah, definitely cordial. Um, far more than in the past. I mean, in the past it was very adversarial. Now it's cordial, but it depends on the story. It could be, 
it could be adversarial tomorrow. You know, I mean, it just depends on. I mean, you know, I, I you know, it, it depends on what what's going on at a certain point in time, what what it will be. It's it's so I, I consider it I consider it business. I think he's um uh, he's very good at what he does. Without a doubt, he's at, he's great at what he does. But you know, sometimes that requires being on a very different side than I am. Mm-hmm. And um, it's funny because I know um, I know people who you know were on an opposite side of him, far worse than me, who who liked him, but were very much on opposite side of him. So um, he, he, you know, he he, he has something. Uh, you know, a lot of people like him. I think he's very. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to fight him. But, you know, sometimes you just have to. I mean, it's not something that I relish and go, oh, I'm, oh, I can't wait to get in a fight with Jerry McDivitt. Right. <laughs> I'd really rather, I'd really rather not. But, you know, it, it, you know, again, it could happen. It could happen tomorrow. Or it could happen next week, depending on how the stories break. You, uh, you saw as, uh, you know, most of the wrestling Twitter and wrestling online world, and you posted it on your website, uh, TNA. They announced early this morning that they're going to have a new TV home, at least in 2016, uh, on Pop TV, the former TV Guide Network. How big of a deal do you think this is for TNA? And when stories like this happen, because you had reported earlier this year that you know the current home, Destination America, was going to drop TNA, and and now a day like this comes where everything that you were talking about has come to pass, and you were you were on the end of some pretty brutal attacks from wrestlers inside TNA even. Uh, do you relish days like this, not for the fact that, you know, TNA had to move to a different TV, but at least that it's out there to where you hope that wrestlers or, or fans won't be so adversarial with you? I mean, what are your nah, thoughts going nah, into the story? I can't, I can't say because that happened today and it didn't even mean a thing. I think it's been inevitable for months, though. Yeah. I mean, well, it was from, from the day I reported it, it was, it was inevitable. They wanted, and they wanted out before I reported it. They wanted out in, in I don't know, it was, I would say January, but... Um, when they started cutting back on the shoulder programming, um, I, I kind of knew that it was, they had, I mean, I was told they had buyer's remorse very quickly. I mean, very, very quickly. So I knew that it probably wasn't going to last. And it was, then it became, as soon as we can get out of it, we're going to get out of it. And that's essentially what it was, is that as soon as they could get out of it legally, they were getting out of it. Um, it, it was just one of those things where it was the cost. And it was the Dixie Carter email. Those are the two things. The Dixie Carter email was part of it. Um, you know, you, you can't, like, accidentally send an email where, where you know, you're, you call, like, the head of the, the network, one of the, head, the heads of the yeah. station, the GM of the station, you call him like a dummy, <laughs> and he gets it. And, you know, it's like, at that point, I think her goose was cooked. But the fact is they were looking at dumping before that email came, so that's not the, the prime reason. But with with pop being in like seventy five million homes compared to like the forty five of Destination America, does Destination this help? Destination America was fifty seven. Fifty seven. Does this help hurt or just kind of remain the same? Well, it helps. It helps, and and I don't. Neither of them are strong stations, but it's right. It's a, it's a positive. It's a negative in the sense of of they're not in in um, high definition, at least on Directv. I know they're not. Okay. So so that that's one thing. Or dish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or dish. Like, yeah. I didn't know. I just know with Directv they're not. Yeah, but both. The, both um, of them. But so, but the thing is, um, they're in more homes, but it's also not a strong station. But Destination America wasn't a strong station either, so you know they're both much weaker than Spike. It's a positive, but it's a negative because I know they're not getting anywhere close to the money that they were getting. Mm-hmm. Um, they might even be a time buyer that I'm not sure of, but I know that um, you know 
that uh, Pop TV wasn't paying them anything significant, and they were getting a very good deal with uh, Destination America. So from a financial standpoint, it hurts, and it, it's it's tougher on the company, and the company was already not doing well financially. So it's it's not a good thing, but they've stripped down so much that, you know, again, I mean, can they survive? They can, they can, always, they can always survive until somebody just says you're not surviving anymore. And finally, one of the listeners uh, asks, do you think Shane McMahon will ever work for WWE in any capacity uh, officially for the company in the future? I think so at some point. Hmm. But uh, it's not looking likely right now. Um, you know, Vince isn't going to be there forever. And uh, I, I think so. I think, I think what he's doing now I mean, I, I'll tell you what it depends on. The, the things he's doing now, if they take off in their hits, then I would say no. And he does something on his own and it's successful. I don't think he'll go back. But if he's not very successful, I think that's inevitable he will go back. Because then the door will be open for him to go back. Yeah, a lot, a lot could happen. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, with, with thing, you know, Linda McMahon went off to do her politics. She may, do, may not have ever returned in any capacity if her po- political career had taken off. So uh, a lot, a lot could happen there, I suppose. Um, yeah. It, it yeah, is it interesting that he's been going. That deal he's got in China. Right. If that thing takes off big in China and he makes all kinds of money, uh, I don't think he'll come back because it, it'll be, there'll be no point. You know what I mean? He'll prove, he'll, 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 he, the whole thing is he wanted to run a company mm-hmm. and it, it was never going to be WWE. So if he can prove he can run a company, he's going to run a company. If he fails at running a company, then maybe he'll go to WWE and not run the company. How soon do you think WWE could make a dent in China? Whether it's the network, whether it's live events. I mean, is that something that we should that's, be expecting? That's up, to, that's up to all kinds of things that are going on in China. I would think that they could be really successful there. Um, but just because of the population being so big. Right. But it's it's tough to navigate. And um, I know, like, you know, UFC's had the same problems. Um the one group actually has run a lot of shows in China. So there, there, it, there must be a way of doing it, but I guess maybe they're more open to Asian businesses than American businesses. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, this, this wrestling week has just been insane. Uh, should we expect any fireworks of anything? Is anything cooking after Survivor Series? Or are we just going to be back to, you know, degrading who the, whoever the WWE champion is? What what's next week looking I, like, I Dave? Think, Predict everything. I I've just got to th- I've got to think that they've got some some idea to shake things up just because it's so flat right now. I don't know what it is, but um, yeah, I I've, I've, I've been like that ever since Seth Rollins got hurt with, with the idea that okay, Seth Rollins is hurt now. They've got to come up with something, and they haven't so far. But I keep thinking they're going to have to, and I keep waiting for the week that they do it, but I don't right. know when it's going to be. Could this be a repeat of when Triple H went down with his leg injury and came back and he was the biggest star in the company? I mean, notwithstanding his personal relationships with those in the back of WWE, but I mean, yes, it sucks for Seth Rollins now that he can't be out there, especially in this big run of his career. But in the long run, could this not be one of the best things to happen to Seth? Yes, it very well could be one of the best things to happen to Seth. I mean, in a sense, it, it's never good when you're a very athletic wrestler and you have a knee injury because it is going to, mm-hmm take away things and you have to be more careful. You just have to be. Um, but I mean, as far as his character and being over with the people, you know, uh, something like, I mean, I think he comes back as a baby face um, because he'll be fighting. Cause I think he'll be fighting the people if he doesn't. 
Yeah, he could be huge. He could be huge as a baby fit. I see this as a good thing in the long run. Obviously, it sucks that he's he's out, but it not yeah, only will I, it help I, him, but it could I, help I, Ambrose. I, and I thought it was good for the company too. Mm-hmm. The company was really, they were really flat. Oh yeah. And I thought that wow, this is going to force him to not be flat. But they, but I haven't seen the the not flat yet. So right. so um, you know, because like the week it happened, I was thinking, you know, we're going to have this really great raw, and then we really didn't have a great raw. And then this last week, we actually had we had uh, you know. Two hours and fifteen minutes of a great raw, and then <laughs> fell off the cliff at the end. On uh, on promotions that are hot, are you coming down here to L.A. for uh, PWG's All Star Weekend next month? No, because it's a weekend of UFC, and it's the ah. UFC's biggest weekend of the year. It's, it's a phenomenal UFC show. So I I hate missing PWG. I kind of right. had once I started going, it was kind of like <laughs> you know you know because most of the shows are Friday like. Saturday nights are tough because of UFC, but Friday for me is not is is not a bad night to go to Los Angeles. Right. So I kind of was like, wow, I can I can do this four six times a year, and and I mean these shows are so much fun. I was oh, really so we're gonna see so, so we're gonna see more of you down here then. Oh yeah yeah I mean okay. the problem is that January second is also a UFC night. Yeah. So so I'm gonna miss that one as well, but um, I you know I expect be at most PWGs in 2016, if not, wow. you know, you know, I would say, you know, mo- you know, most, I, I, you know, it's, it's not even dependent on the show. It's dependent on the schedule. If they, if they have a show, a show on a Friday, um, I, I would think in most cases I'll be there on a Saturday. It's just, it's just kind of tough. Dave, you're going to make tickets harder to get for those of us who have to fight for them. Stop it. Everyone's got to <laughs> fight for them. Everyone's got to fight for them, man. It's tough. They need to go to a bigger building, though. That's the one thing. I mean, it's great there and all that, and I know, but they could go to a bigger building and it would still be great. They, got they could so go back good. to, like, the Burbank Armory or the YMCA that they used to run out here. Yeah, I don't know what the what the costs are. I'm just saying that they can they can get triple the number of people that they've got, and these shows are so great, and more people, you know, the word of mouth will only get bigger when more people come to see them. I don't, I don't you know, it's kind of... I can see from a there's there's a there's a feeling of this exclusivity getting in. I think that's kind of cool, but it's just so hard to get tickets for. I mean, for me too, it's not yeah. I, I, it's not like I can get tickets any. I mean, I have to have friends get them for me and 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 all that. But the promotion, I think that they did tell me um, on the second night of of um, Battle of Los Angeles when I didn't have tickets, I was actually told. I mean, I had to pay for them, but I was told that that they would get me in but it was like a one-time thing it's not like i have this thing where every single show i can you know all i gotta do is tell the promotion i'm coming and i'm okay i'm not i mean no one is um i mean they make you know conan and dorian and yeah all those guys pay from what i understand sophia vergara i don't know if they made ronda pay or not um i i i don't know the answer to that one but but i think everyone else breaking news on websites later is dave Meltzer gets special treatment at pwg (laughs) Especially when I said the opposite, yeah. I know. Well, that's the way it goes. That's definitely. Yeah. That's oh, the, I know. I know. You, you I know, know that I for say, a long time. I, I say, I say, something happened uh, one way, and I read that that I said it the, the exact opposite all the time. It's crazy. Oh, I'm sorry for anything that happens as a result of that conversation. <laughs> yeah. Nothing will. Nothing. Nothing negative by any means. Um, Dave Meltzer, W O N, on Twitter, Wrestling Observer. If for some reason someone is listening to this that doesn't know who Dave Meltzer is, find him at Wrestling Observer. Hi, everybody. Rob McCarron of Shake Them Ropes here to remind you of all the great stuff currently up at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Joe Lanza shares his thoughts on the retirement of Genichiro Tenru. 
Dave Meltzer visits Shake Them Ropes to preview WWE Survivor Series, and Jaron Dove remembers Nick Bockwinkle. Coverage of the 2015 New Japan World Tag League begins on Saturday, and you can follow along and discuss all of the results with other fans on the Voices of Wrestling forums. We're proud to announce a partnership with Fathead this holiday season. For a limited time, you can save 25% on any new or customized order at Fathead. Visit fathead.com, complete your order, enter in the promo code 25120, and save 25%. If your order is $120 or more, you also get free shipping. That's promo code 25120. As always, you can help support the website's great podcast by shopping on Amazon through our Amazon affiliate link. Visit voicesofwrestling.com slash Amazon today. Thanks for your support, and we can't wait to see you back at voicesofwrestling.com. Jeff's back, Rob's back, shake them ropes. Fun interview with Dave. Mm-hmm. Now, we had to take a break from uh, from recording. Yes. After we got off the phone with Dave, because, Jeff, you had to go buy All-Star Weekend tickets mm-hmm. from PWG. Yes. Were you successful? I have procured a ticket for both nights. Yeah. Uh, I feel lucky that I procured tickets to both nights because I had bought front row tickets, which uh-huh. are a little bit more pricey. And then while they're in my cart, I'm going to pay. I click the button to pay, and then one goes away because it's sold out. And so I have one left, so I click to pay for it. Uh-huh. And it goes, and now this one's sold out. I'm like, how can they just take these out of my cart when I have them here in my hands? They took this them is- straight out of your cart. So it's like, so I had to scramble back to the website, wow. click on the general admission, and hope. And it's like, okay, good, I'm in. I'm I'm fine with that. But there are plenty more of those than the front row tickets. But the front row tickets just keep me awake, more or less. Just so you got two. You got two GAs. Yes. Two general admission tickets to night of, uh, what is it called? All-Star Weekend? All-Star Weekend. All-Star Weekend. Is it All-Star Weekend 11? Yes, sir. 11. All-Star Weekend 11. You're going to go, uh, who? They haven't announced anyone for that show, have they? Yes, they have. I have the cards here if you'd like to hear them. Eh, just go for it. Uh, let's see. Night one, Mark Andrews and Chuck Taylor. Uh, Ricochet and Marty Skrull. Uh, the unbreakable effing machines of Brian Cage and Michael Elgin take on Eddie Edwards and Davey Richards. That's right. Michael the, Elgin's back. And the Wolves are back in PWG. Uh, Trevor Lee and William Osprey. Uh, Mike Speedball, Mike Bailey, and the cleaner Kenny Omega. Uh, for the World Tag Team Champions, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, take on Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano of NXT. And uh, for the world championship, uh, Roddy Strong takes on Matt Seidel. That's night one. And then on night two, you have uh, Kiku Taro versus Chuck Taylor. Oh, man. <laughs> I want to see that. Uh, Marty Skrull versus Timothy Thatcher. Uh, Mark Andrews versus Ricochet, which is the one I want to see most. I think I have all the matches for both nights. Uh, possible Pro Wrestling Gorilla World Championship title match. Of Ciampa and Gargano taking on the unbreakable effing machines of Cage and Elgin. Uh, Kenny Omega taking on Will Ospreay. Uh, Matt Seidel taking on Trevor Lee in what might be a world championship match, but we don't know yet. And then as the main event, an eight-person tag guerrilla warfare match, so grab your chairs and run away. Uh, Speedball Mike Bailey, Chris Hero, and the world's cutest tag team of Candice LeRae and Joey Ryan take on Mount Rushmore 2.0 of Roderick Strong, Super Dragon, and the Young Bucks. Super well, there you dragons. go. Super dragons back. That's, and uh, 
And as we learned uh, in our interview with Dave, yes, he will not be there. He will not be there. No, but Sophia Vergara might be. Yes. So that's something for you. Uh, so a fun preview of Survivor Series, and we got some pro wrestling related questions in with Dave. And now it is time to retroactively review the 1998 Survivor Series, the Deadly Game Tournament. And it's a deadly game. That's I know. Oh, up. that that deadly game music. <laughs> I was. I thought about recording it and playing it. I don't know why I didn't do that. You know what I wanted you to play was Dwayne Gill's entrance music. <laughs> yeah, because Dwayne Gill shows up. Uh, he was not Gilberg on the show. He was not Gilberg yet. That came maybe the next week or a couple weeks later. Yeah. Just a weird show. And I will really? explain what I said earlier about how I, you know, I was tired after watching this show. Uh, but was not a fan when this originally aired, correct? This was the first pay-per-view I had ever watched live the first oh, pay-per-view we wow. had ever bought the okay. 1998 survivor series was the first pay-per-view because I became a fan of WCW first and I was a fan of WCW in mid to late 1997. Okay. I thought it was 99 when you came on, but I guess it's 97. Then. Nin 97 okay. was WCW. And then I became a fan at the 1998 WrestleMania of WWF with the whole Mike Tyson stuff, knowing what was going on. So I came at the end of Shawn Michaels' career. Like, I wasn't, I didn't know Shawn Michaels' ring work until he came back in 2002 as far as seeing it live. Like, I had known, once Shawn Michaels became the commissioner, I had seen some older stuff, and I knew who Shawn Michaels was because he was still on TV. But as far as in the ring, my first exposure in real time to Shawn Michaels was 2002 when he came back. Hmm. This, okay. was the, this was the first WWF pay-per-view I ever bought. We bought it at my house. Me and my brother watched it. Uh, I had gotten a WCW pay-per-view event before this. But yeah, first WWF pay-per-view I ever bought, ever watched. This was my exposure. It's amazing. Amazing. I'm still a fan today of WWF after watching <laughs> the show. Actually, I'll tell you what, and as we'll get to, the show is nothing special until you get to the end and the whole story culminates in what happened in the main event. Yeah, and I have more of an appreciation for this after seeing all of it take place. And then, of course, the story leading up to this whole rigmarole and why they needed the tournament. Uh, it just, it, it's, it's. Oh, it's wacky. If it, if it was all planned. Oh, it's so I wacky. I don't think it was. If it was all part of the plan to begin with, it, it's the most genius long con ever created. It's craziness because, you know, Steve Austin wins uh, the, the championship that year at WrestleMania. Right. He beats Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels goes away. So Steve Austin is the champion going into this. So what set up this deadly game tournament? Well, was, Steve Austin was put into a uh, triple threat a match, I believe. triple threat match with, with two members who are on the active roster in WWE still to this day. Yes, The Undertaker and Kane. And then Vince McMahon said there was a rule that uh, Undertaker and Kane could not pin each other in the match. Well, so what, became... explain, because what happened in the triple threat is Kane and the Undertaker both pinned Steve Austin. Right, but that, yeah, but yeah, and so that's why they ended up both pinning Steve Austin. Of course, that means there's no clear-cut winner for the title and no title holder at this time. So we're going to have a one-on-one -on -one match between Undertaker and Kane, and Steve Austin's going to be the referee. Just now, rubbing it in Steve's face. Yep. 
And instead of refereeing the match, Steve Austin just decides to attack them both and then counts them both out and declares himself the champion and the winner. Yes, but while this was going on, The Undertaker and Kane were not too pleased with Vince McMahon taking their championship away. Correct. Which is what led to the angle where they smashed the ring steps on Vince McMahon's ankle. So he's injured. He's on the wheelchair. He has the big boss man come in. This is heavy. He has, you know, he's got, you know, the goons flocking him. Uh, yeah. And, and also during this time, he has started, a, he, he has done two things. He has, uh, he has demoted his son to, to being a, a referee. Um, and and be, well, so what happens is, I'll pick up here because you're doing a horrible job of telling I'm what not, happens here. Doing I'm a hor- doing horrible, horrible job here. So the title I'll is do held it as up me, then. from Austin and Kane. Austin refs the Taker and Kane match, counts everyone out, declares himself as champion. Obviously, Steve Austin can't do that. He has no authority to declare himself as champion. He's not a participant in this match. So what happens the next night, Vince, he had threatened to fire Steve Austin if Steve didn't call it down the middle. So he fires Steve Austin. And this is where you had the big angle with Steve Austin and the fake gun. Yeah. With Vince McMahon. Steve Austin holds Vince hostage with this gun, with an orange cap. Vince, it, he, he has no other option. He's going to be dead on national TV. Dead on national TV if he doesn't give in to Steve Austin's demands. So what happens is Steve Austin has a contract to get a title shot. Ironclad, stay in WWE. Who signs the contract? Shane McMahon. Right. So because of this, Vince demotes Shane to be a lowly referee. That was always how he would say it, too. You are a lowly referee. You were starting at the bottom because you just defied me and gave Steve Austin this contract. So Shane is suspended. He's turned to this referee, and that is where we pick up with the Deadly Game Tournament because there's no, no champion. No, you forgot one what angle I, going what on. What did I forget? You forgot that Vince is also screwing around with The Rock at this time. Well, he's screwing around with everybody. Yeah, but but particularly the Rock, who has called them, started calling himself the People's Champion, and is yeah. starting to move away from the Nation of Domination at this point. And Vince cuts a promo saying that uh, any any friend of the people is an enemy of mine, so I am an enemy of the People's Champ. And further uh, further causing rifts between the Rock and the Nation of Domination that way. Everyone has a rift with everyone. Yes, but this title is held up. It's put in this tournament because Vince is crazy. Yes, I'm doing a terrible job, but I'm going from memory. So that's fine. You, you probably have something on paper in front of you. I have a few words, not okay. too many, <laughs> not too many, honestly. A lot of this is memory too, because I, I mean, just from the angle that was shot, and then yeah, you go kind of look at the history and just crazy sequence because yeah. I can envision all this happening in today's WWE too. Oh yeah, I could imagine this happening Sunday. Almost more so with the WWE Network and pay per views being on the network, because you can see. I mean, let's. Let's face this fact. Steve Austin lost a triple threat match, didn't resolve anything. Then, no. then you have a world title match on another pay-per-view with Steve Austin as the ref for a title shot or for the title, and that doesn't resolve anything. It's bait and switch, bait and switch, bait and switch. Absolutely. All the time. And then you have this tournament for the vacant WWF championship, and these are your matches. The Undertaker and Kane each have a bye in the first round, so they meet each other in officially the second round, the quarterfinals. You have The Rock. The Rock versus Triple H was advertised for the show. Mm-hmm. Goldust versus Ken Shamrock. Yes. Mankind versus a mystery opponent. Mm-hmm. Jeff Jarrett versus Al Snow. 
which was oh, the match I was wrestling. most looking forward to. Actually, that might be my favorite match of the tournament. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Well, you can just like the worst one. Uh, okay. X-Pac versus Lord Real Man's Man Stephen Regal. Mm-hmm. Stephen Regal's only pay-per-view appearance as the Real Man's Man. Yes. And then Steve Austin versus the Big Boss Man. Mm-hmm. These were your tournament matches, and we kick off with Vince opening the show by by the ring. Did you remember uh, Goldust and, and Ken Shamrock? I did. Okay. I, I did indeed say it. Right. 100%. Go back, okay. rewind the tape. I won't. You have Vince <laughs> at the ringside. Yes. Getting everyone ready brings out the corporate champion. Because oh, that's, that's some other thing we forgot. Because We one, forgot that, yeah. We didn't forget it. I wanted to mention it here. Okay. Because Mankind comes out in the suit, in the tuxedo. <laughs> because the whole angle with Vince, once Steve Austin finally won the championship, Vince wanted to turn him into the corporate champion, wanted him to start dressing like a champion. And he feuded with Mick Foley as Dude Love. And eventually Mick Foley said, okay, I'll be your corporate champion, Vince. I'll be the guy who dresses in the tuxedo. Mm-hmm. I'll be your corporate to do. So he was getting on Vince McMahon's good side. And that was the story throughout this whole pay-per-view. Vince is going to do everything he can to get Mick Foley the championship because Mick Foley is the people's or the, uh, the corporate champion. He's doing everything he's supposed to do. Yeah, it was an uneasy relationship. Uneasy, une- uneasy relationship. But Mick Foley comes out. Mankind comes out in the suit. Yes. And he was scheduled to face a mystery opponent. Vince yep. gives him the big elaborate entrance. Mm-hmm. He's a former legend. He My- left. He left for glory in WCW, but is back. WCW. WCW. <laughs> Introduces Dwayne Gill. My favorite part of this, before you get to that, is Foley reading over McMahon's shoulder and just kind of the interplay with Bossman. Like, who is it? Yeah. If you watch, it's great. Mick Foley was really good with his, I mean, he was wearing the Mankind mask still at this point yeah. while wearing the tuxedo. So a great look. Yeah. Just a fantastic look all the way around. Yeah. Head coach of the Pasadena, California yes. Chargers. An elementary football team, not high school. And it's a, it's a real football team out an here. Elementary football. Are they any good? No, they're kids. <laughs> they're, they're just little tykes. They can't be that good. 20 years from now, that team won't exist. All these parents not letting their kids play football. Yeah. Concussions and whatnot. So get them in while you can. Uh, so that is the mystery opponent, Dwayne Gill, what would start the Gilberg revolution in WWF at the time. Dwayne Gill comes out and Mick Foley <laughs> gives them the double arm DDT and cradles them for the win right off the bat. Yeah, Gill's doing all the all the precursors to Gilberg here, though, being scared of fireworks. <laughs> and, and he was and, he was dying. He almost had a heart attack when the yeah. when the pyro went off. Yeah, <laughs> he wasn't used yeah, to it. A, wasn't used it, to it. This is a straight-up squash match. Dwayne Gill, a mainstay of 80s jobber fame and 90s jobber fame, for that matter. It's a straight-up squash match, and it really sets the tone for what you were going to see. You were going to see until the final. The McMahons do everything they can to help Foley, mm-hmm. and you were you were told right off the bat that this is going to be—the the fix is in. Yeah. You were led to believe that the fix was in for Foley. It was going to be very easy for him. Yes, an outraged Jim Ross is outraged Jim Ross. It's great. He was outraged quite a bit on the show. Oh, yeah. Quite a bit on the show. Um, your second match of the night. Now, you can't possibly actually think it was your best match, right? I don't think it's the best match, but I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Oh, God. Which is weird from a nostalgia standpoint. Well, it's weird because you have Jared and you have Snow, 
And Snow was a... I have such fond memories of Al Snow before the WWE. <laughs> I do, because he was great in ECW in that double tables match with Benoit that I went to live, and then he was great in Smoky Mountain. And, he, you know, he showed some glimpses of that in this match, you know, with the somersault on the steps and, you know, the over-the-top leg drop, and that was cool. And then, you know, Jeff Jarrett broke out a drop kick, which you rarely see anymore, or you hadn't seen for, like, 15 years from him. So, I mean, there was there was a lot of athleticism in here. It wasn't a great match by any means. Don't it it me wasn't. It really wasn't a great match. It didn't go that long. Uh, Al Snow and Jeff Jarrett, you know, two guys that obviously had no chance in this. Uh, but Al Snow gets the win because later on you're going to have, you know, Mick Foley and Al Snow. Yeah, this is head Al Snow, job squad Al Snow. Head Al Snow, what does everybody want? And which always led Jerry Lawler to get like lines out. Like he tried to be as crude as possible during this match. Like Deborah had just debuted with Jeff Jarrett. Yes, Deborah McMichael, Steve's ex-wife. So Deborah comes out. The match is pretty quick. Mostly it's it's the distraction with Deborah show. Mm -hmm. That's much of the match, really. Show me the puppies. So Snow wins with the headshot. And at one point, Deborah is like fighting over the head and, you know, trying to get Jeff Jarrett up and distract the ref so Jeff Jarrett can, you know, go on the attack. And Jerry Lawler belts out the line, What does Deborah know about head? And those were the lines you were getting a lot of in the late 90s from I one think, Jerry Lawler. Oh, he's terrible. Always terrible. And then once the puppies and the sexual innuendo came in, they, he found his he found his seventh grade wheelhouse. Found his groove. And he would be somewhat annoying with the women later on, but he wasn't this crude. There's no somewhat about it. He was annoying. He was he was annoying in this time. He was very crude. When, I and mean, that would even come into play when Sable had her match later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Lawler on this show, no buys. No buys. Steve Austin versus the big boss man. So, of course, Steve Austin has been screwed out of this championship for months without, without really a chance to win it back. Not a chance to win it back. So you get Steve Austin versus the Big Boss Man. Now this is Boss Man off of his WCW run it was? coming in now back as private security, and this is possibly my favorite incarnation. Oh, it of is absolutely. I even wrote that down here. I wanted to ask you. This is absolutely my favorite incarnation. He looks like a badass. He does. He has some badass music. He's sweating already gear. when he gets out there. Yeah, I, I love. This is like a, uh, 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 private bodyguard Ming. For me, this is my favorite incarnation of Ray Trailer. The the nightstick was feared. Yeah. yeah. Like it became a big thing. It's like the two by four uh, with Jim Duggan, where you know it. It's like the sledgehammer with Triple H. The nightstick with Big Boss Man was a thing. Oh, yeah. Big Boss Man's best role. Austin wins via the DQ because Boss Man's only job on the show was to hurt him, was to hurt Austin. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, when we did Rude Steamboat, that second fall that Rude just decided to lose just to hurt him a little bit right. more, to I, I'm, damage I'm, him for later. I'm sacrificing this one fall. I'm sacrificing yep. this match in Big Boss Man's case for the there's greater a, good. There's a plan involved. He's Stick not, with the plan. He's not in the WWF to win championships. He's there no. because he's private security for Vince. Exactly. He's a he's a hired goon. I wish he had like... I, I wish when you had roles like this, they stuck to him because... So many times now and, and before, especially, you would have weird roles. You would have, you know, the, the garbage man who would wrestle. Like Sometimes you just want a guy who's a tough man on the outside. He's got his job. He's not really in the ring wrestling, but sometimes you put him in matches because he's not there to win. He's there to hurt people. Like Meng, when he like was a Meng. bodyguard. Yeah, you know, I, I hate that they always, they always end up like 
turning these guys too soon. It's like, oh, they get a conscience because they're working for a guy who's abusing them or whatnot. Why can't, can't people just be happy hurting people on behalf of evil men? Then, of course, Big Boss Man would not have a great WrestleMania, the opposite of Steve Austin. Oof. Is this the... Uh, I believe that WrestleMania was the cage match with... Uh, uh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But uh, anyway, Boss Man takes the nightstick to Steve Austin. Steve Austin gets the win via DQ, advances mm-hmm. in the tournament, but the whole idea is that Steve Austin might be too damaged to wrestle further. Right. And the big boss man has done his job. Yeah. So we have that match. Oh, and then the worst entrance music ever. Well, before the entrance, because that is what's next. Okay. Before the entrance, backstage, Vince McMahon basically laughs at Austin, mm-hmm. laughs at Austin's troubles. Mm-hmm. And this was the story. I mean, backstage the whole night, you have Vince McMahon sitting in the wheelchair, selling that he's still hurt with Pat yep. Patterson and Gerald Briscoe right behind him. And Sergeant Slaughter. And they're watching the smallest monitor ever. Yes. Because they don't have the HD screens, but they don't have big TVs backstage. Vince McMahon is kind of watching the TV at a weird angle because the camera has to, you know, like, you know, that never changes. They still watch the TVs at weird angles. And then the entrance music. X-Pac versus a real man's man, Steven Regal. Regal's pay-per-view debut in this gimmick. It would be his only pay-per-view appearance as this uh, real man. Let me cut you off here real quick. Did you see the table for three with him, Seamus, and, and Barrett? I did. This is the run he's proud of because he's most remembered and asked about it. And this floors me. It floors me that he, he likes to be remembered for, like, dressing up in heels and well, the comedy stuff. This... He was great as the blue blood in WCW and and a great wrestler. And he wants to be remembered as a comedic figure. It blows my mind, Rob. Well, I tell you, some of these guys want to be remembered, period. So whatever they're most remembered for is their favorite thing because they're just happy they're remembered. But also, this guy spent so long doing the same thing. I bet he was happy that WWE wanted to try new stuff with him. Because if if you are a pure wrestler for 15 years, aren't you going to remember more fondly the same match after and after, or are you going to remember the stuff that you did differently? This was such a stupid gimmick, though. Hey, it was his favorite. Who are we to say that? (laughs) I watched, uh, so I'm watching the show on the network, and then I remember the table for three, where he talks about how he was ribbed coming to the ring one time. And that match actually appeared on Superstars in 2011, I think November. He's, He's coming to the ring in Europe, I believe it is, for a match with Daniel Bryan. Right. And they they switch off his regular, you know, evil hierarchy theme to do the real man's man theme. And Daniel Bryan is cracking up in the ring and R- William Regal is cracking up. I watched that. I was refreshed. I always I, wanted to return to his Blue Bloods theme from WCW because I always thought that was a great theme that... The current, the current theme, the theme you retired with, the bad guy theme in his most recent run is always uh, my favorite. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah, by, by far. But, okay, so here he comes out in this real man's man gimmick, <laughs> wearing the village. hard hat. Looks like a villi- member of the village people. The, the, the short sleeve, the no sleeve. I guess it was short sleeve. It was wrapped up. The, the flannel shirt <laughs> comes out here, though, and proceeds to do a mat-based match. Yeah. 
So if you're going to change this gimmick, you would think he might come out and be a brawler. Like Jim Ross is putting over his brawling history and his history as a fighter at a young age. 15 in the circus. And he comes out here doing chin locks and arm bars and everything on the mat. And this crowd is not having, I mean, this crowd is so quiet. This crowd... (laughs) This, this, this crowd hated Xbox. This also. crowd hated the show when Steve Austin and The Rock weren't in front of them. Kind of hated it. But I, I mean, this match went eight minutes. To this point, it was the longest match of the show. Right, went to a time limit draw. No, a count out, double count out, double count out. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Double count. I thought, so, I thought it hit the time. I thought it hit the time limit. My no, fault. Double count out at eight minutes. So what happens is X Pac at this point is tired of getting beaten on on the mat, and His he's trying to pick hurt. up the pace a little bit. He was a little hurt, but he goes out to the outside and is just wailing on William Regal, Stephen Regal at the time. On Steve. Steve, Stephen Regal, punching him like crazy to the point where Tim White, the referee, counts them both out. So because it's a double count out and the rules of the tournament is no one advances. Right. And this is where it got weird. Yeah. <laughs> I Very got a story weird. about this. You go into it. Not only is X-Pac the one, he's the aggressor when this happens. Mm-hmm. And he's punching Steven Regal like crazy. And Regal's the one trying to escape. But Vince McMahon sends out Commissioner Slaughter. Yes. To restart the match and give him an overtime period. A five minute sudden death overtime. Because the winner of this match was going to be the one to face Steve Austin. My favorite part of that is five minute sudden death overtime as if there's other falls that would count. <laughs> right. Why not just make it sudden death? If you're so worried about no one getting Steve Austin in the next round to give Steve Austin a buy, why would you put a time limit on it? Right. Right. But, I, but, I understand in realistic, I mean, they were on a three hour schedule. Vince can't just let him go out there for 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love the fact that Vince was still like businessman Vince while giving him an overtime. Like right. he wants to make sure Steve Austin has the worst time ever in this tournament, but you know, we got a time limit on this pay-per-view. You know, we'll give him five minutes. I can't go crazy here. I love that. But Slaughter comes down to give him the overtime period and time stands still because X-Pac is by the entrance holding his neck. Like, I love that X-Pac is holding his neck and walks out, refusing the overtime period, refusing the chance at the championship, whereas Regal is the one saying, come on. Regal by this time is recovered. He's in the ring saying, Mm -hmm. come on, kid, come on and fight me. Why is Regal not the one walking out? Why is X-Pac the one walking out the one who was the aggressor at the end. It made no sense. For- oh, well, I, I I was watching with buddies. We had gotten together to, to watch it, and, and one had been drinking way too much. And this is where... The best way to watch the show. This is where he just got morally angry at this pay-per-view because not only do they declare this a five-minute sun-death overtime... But they start the match and they don't count X Pac out right. while Regal's trying to do it. So he is just cussing up a storm going, This is bullshit. What and, kind yeah. of tournament are they running right. here? Basically, it's like, Oh, never mind. Never mind that overtime I just uh, made happen because X Pac doesn't want to be in it. He's standing his ground in the ring. They should be counting out that little punk ass X Pac right now. I mean, he went on for about they five minutes and we just couldn't stop laughing at how angry he was at this stupid paper. <laughs> right. I, they should have counted him out. I, I I know they had to give Steve Austin the buy because I mean, let's say with all these weird first rounds and the buys and everything, there were fourteen this is Russo, matches. Isn't it? This is oh, had Russo. to be. Yep. Because <laughs> Russo, I believe, was the one who thought of the real man's man gimmick. 
Yeah. For Regal coming off the brownie paper towel man and all this. But you have no winner of this match, so no one advances. Steve Austin gets a bye if he's even able to compete because Pat Patterson is backstage as Vince is going nuts. Yes. Like, I can't give Steve Austin a bye. And, and Pat Patterson's like, well, yeah, my sources are telling me that Steve Austin might be too hurt. And I love the fact that Pat Patterson was hearing this from sources when he never left Vince's back. That's a great Pat Patterson, by the way. Was it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought I was onto something. <laughs> uh, you know, Vince. I, no, I'm even no, worse now. I'm even no, worse. That's now. what we should do. We should just do all bad impressions. We should do the opposite of the lapsed fan. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, is that what they do? I don't listen to other podcasts. Um, Pat Patterson. Oh, well, my source. My, my source. I don't even know how to my do it. My sources say. My source. Well, Steve Austin's hurt. Mr. McMahon, I hear the same thing that's from my sources. Bad. That's the one I was going to go to on this next match. That is my favorite thing in this whole pay-per-view is Jerry Briscoe saying, Mr. McMahon. Mr. McMahon, I understand what you want. So William Regal, what a dud in his only pay-per-view appearance as uh, Stephen Regal. Yep, he would last a few more months and then he'd be back in WCW for a bit. Just horrible match, super technical when it didn't need to be. And then with the in, the ending and like what the hell is going on and Steve Austin gets the buy anyway. Mm-hmm. But whatever, Ken Shamrock and Goldust. I loved Ken Shamrock's music. Yes. My favorite, I, I would spend I, weeks and weeks as a small little lad with this song stuck in my head. Man, Shamrock. I was watching him in this match. Number one, he's jacked to the gills. Number two, he still has that badass credibility from the UFC here. They sh- and his offense, I think, is kind of awesome. Here, they should have just given him the belt it, at some time. His offense was interesting. You could say awesome. There was one part of his offense that was not so awesome on this right. match. Yeah, the Hurricane Rana. No, no, that was uh, <laughs> that. That needed some work, but but I've just meant his strikes. And yeah. stuff. I mean, those those were credible. Ken Shamrock gets the win with the ankle lock, the ankle lock that was set up with a mm-hmm. belly-to-belly suplex. And before that, the worst-looking Hurricane Rana to the point where I don't even know why they really tried it. And also because uh, they would not allow Goldust to do the... Uh, the Shattered Gold- Dreams. The Shattered Dreams, right. Goldust was going for the Shattered Dreams. Jimmy Corderas, the ref, gets in front of him. So Ken Shamrock is up on the ropes. Goldust moves the ref out of the way and Shamrock goes for a Hurricane Rana, which uh, all I can say is they spun around. Oh, yeah. That was about it. Uh, So Ken Shamrock advances in this tournament. So, yes, Ken Shamrock gets two matches. Now, was he an authority stooge at this time? No. Okay. I don't think he had come together with them yet. But I know he's kind of feuding with The Rock. He's kind, of, he's kind of feuding belt. with The Rock, and they do the match with The Rock. And we'll get to that in a bit. We'll, we'll get to that one. But So Ken Shamrock, if we were to do a tournament like this on pay-per-view nowadays, mm-hmm. who is the current roster member that most corresponds to Ken Shamrock as far as if you were seeing someone do two matches, you would be like, why is this of all people, why is this guy the one doing two matches? Is it someone as bad as like a Braun Strowman? Would you put him more oh, I, like... Uh, well, I, thought, I, I thought I was trying to look for a guy with tough guy credibility that... <laughs> a Jack Swagger? Maybe Swagger. A Ryback. 
Ryback, maybe, because I'm a Ryback fan. But like, yeah, if you were doing two matches with some of the other talent you have in the company, you'd be like, why is the Ryback the one doing two matches? I could see that. Um, we get The Rock versus Triple H, or at least that was advertised. In another first round match to kind of save time, Triple H isn't there. He's out with a leg injury. So your stooges come out. <laughs> and they say they have the right to suspend Triple H or fine him. It might have been both. And they have a replacement to wrestle The Rock. And it is the big boss man. Jeff, how did that go? Walked in, got rolled up, one, two, three, end of the match. I thought it was clever, especially after you know the ending of everything. Yes. At the time, you're like, huh. But, like, but when it's like, all the big picture, you're the like, Rock, oh. The Rock really got one over on the McMahons. Mm-hmm. He got one over because this was, they had to do creative things for the boss man because at the end of the day, the boss man and The Rock are on the same side. Spoiler alert, but they're on the same side. So you had to do creative things multiple times on the show to make it make sense why the big boss man would be out there and end up helping The Rock in a way. Right? So coming out there and taking the pinfall is doing his job. He's helping The Rock advance, but you don't know yet that he's helping The Rock. You just think The Rock, building building more to the swerve. I thought it was great storytelling if only for the rocks part in this pay-per-view and we'll get to more a little bit later. It's a great red herring. It is. It is is really good, but not even, it's not like you're doing one thing to specifically swerve it at the end. Like everything makes sense at the end. It's not Mm -hmm. big boss man coming out and beating up the rock. And then all of a sudden they're partners at the end. Cause that's what we would see now, right? We would see for two weeks, you know, say you were going to have a program with, Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns where they were feuding even and they were beating each other up and then all of a sudden on a pay-per-view they're best friends again. Mm-hmm. Anyone in this kind of realm. It was it was clever how they did this, I think. Uh, and then you had the quarterfinals match, Undertaker and Kane. They were given the bye to the show. They wrestled for about seven minutes. If you were to take current Undertaker and current Kane and book them in a seven-minute match in Lima, Ohio at a VFW hall, this is the match they would give you. Ugh, I bored the crap out of me. It was so boring. They were trying to do <laughs> mat-based work. <laughs> at times? Really? I thought they were trying. Well, not for much of the match. I'm just saying uh, there was a spot there in the middle where it was couple, like a couple of firemen carries, a couple of uh, drop step over toe holds. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's just uh, it was just is a bad WWE big man match. Yeah, not necessarily mat based, I should say, but more it was it was bad. It was not very good. I'm just like, imagine the most basic match you can ever see with these two. And this is it. This is it. Imagine Kane and Undertaker at WrestleMania 32, Jeff. I think it's coming. I know. I was surprised. I I, I, yeah, no. What that that I think this Wyatt family thing sets up a Kane turn, and then it becomes Undertaker having to rescue the brother from. I know. The I, was, I was I was surprised when you pitched that idea, and I'm like, oh my god, it makes sense. They could do it. Yeah. Oh no. So we got the end of this. Undertaker wins. He gets the win in seven minutes over Kane. So he advances. 
and we're going to start going to the next round or continuing the next round of the tournament. So all the stuff we just talked about, that was all in the first hour of the show. And I wrote on Twitter, it took me 15 hours to watch this first hour because it just, I couldn't keep going. I needed breaks after every segment. The whole first hour was so boring. Yeah. You got nothing. I I more or less agree with you. Yeah, because I'm right. Although I mean, although the worst was yet to come. There was some bad stuff to come. Uh, mankind oh, and Al Snow. Oh well, no. I just met every non-tournament matches. Oh, God. the non-tournament matches were god awful. But I mean, to the point where you had 14 matches on the show. We had Dave Meltzer on the show. Dave Meltzer rates, you know, he rates the matches on pay-per-views. He, I wanted to look and see what his star ratings were for the 98 Survivor Series. And of the 14 matches, he rated 10 of them at one star or lower, including four <laughs> duds. Because you had a match here that was three seconds. You had, you know, the Mankind Dwayne Gill match, was, which was really quick. You were so excited to watch this, too. Because I have the fond memory, like m many others probably do, of the tournament and the finish. And the, the big angle with Shane McMahon that we're going to get to in a bit. Like, I have fond memories of it. Maybe it's because it was the first pay-per-view I ever saw. Maybe because of the final angle. Maybe just because of the time period. It was a hot time for WWF. But this show, when you watch it in a vacuum especially this first hour that just took forever to get through so bad, but yeah. you did uh, mankind and now snow is next. Uh, they go on for about four minutes. Mankind. If we haven't, we've mentioned it earlier that he's wrestling in a tuxedo still, mm -hmm. uh, not good in the ring. Al snow has a side pony like Bailey. <laughs> he does. He had the wacky hair going on. But just nothing to this match either. Nope. This is the the matches don't matter. They really don't. Rob, it's the story. We and make the, movies. That's right. We make movies, we make TV shows. Yeah. Yeah. This pay-per-view will I mean this is the one that'll well, show you that. Not a good match on the show. Until, yes, but there's a story here too, because Vince McMahon has taken Sacco and uh -huh. wrapped it around head. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Play mind games with mankind. You may have fallen asleep during this match. Oh, really? <laughs> like at four in the afternoon, I just couldn't take it anymore. Well, what happens is uh, Snow takes head to hit Foley with it, belly to backdrop to reverse it, but then as he lands, he sees Sako around the head and gets it to a big pop and uh, shoves it down Snow's throat. The Rock versus Ken Shamrock. Mm -hmm. The Rock wins this one. Yes. This match was okay. It was all right. It was all right. Uh, not as bad as what we've seen earlier. Uh, the Big Boss Man. So again, they have to continue with the clever use of Big Boss Man. Yes. So Big Boss Man comes out to intimidate The Rock, or at least that's what Jim Ross is selling us on. Because mm -hmm. they don't want The Rock. Vince McMahon has had his trouble, like you mentioned, with The Rock. Yes. He, he doesn't like The Rock. And he sends The Big Boss Man out. And The Big Boss Man... Comes out any time he would try to get involved, The Rock would take advantage. He always seemed to have one up on the on right. McMahon's plans. Hmm. Always had one up on him. And this one, it looked like Shamrock was calling for the nightstick. 
And yep. Big Boss Man threw the nightstick. Yep. The Rock got it and nailed Shamrock with it. The Rock intercepted the nightstick. You know, Big Boss Man throws it conspicuously so close to The Rock. So The Rock grabs it, uses the nightstick behind the ref's back. So every interference by the Big Boss Man has helped The Rock so far. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Wonder if that plays up later. Yeah. Uh, Sable beat Jacqueline. Whew. Mark Miro was there. Mark Miro, the emasculated one. Shane was the referee. Shane was the referee. Because they had to sell the whole referee angle. Shane was a lowly ref. Yes. Not even getting a tournament match on the show. Stuck to the women. Yes, Jackie uh, always deserved better, I thought. Remembering her from her Miss Texas days and being the lone woman of promotion. Now she's stuck trying to carry Sable to a decent match. Not sure it worked. Yeah, but this was all... I mean, this was smoke and mirrors in the fact that you got the power bomb on Mark Miro. Yeah. Oh, you, you got God. Sable just being out there. Oh, oh that power bomb. Oh, poor Mark Miro. People, I mean, I'm glad it was kept short. This match could have gone three seconds. I would be fine. And the most interesting thing to me, the one note I took was uh, Mrs. the future Mrs. Brock Lesnar's finishing move. The TKO is the future F5. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was the former Mrs. Sable's finishing move, too. On the, well, Mr. Sable. Mr. Sable. TKO was, it was similar. It wasn't exactly. Okay. But well, it, was, it was similar. The TKO was similar to, uh, to the F5, yes. Um, the way she did it, it looked The way like she it. did it, it looked like it. You're right. <laughs> the way she did it, it looked like, uh, yeah, because it was very similar. Yeah. Steve Austin versus Mankind. So Steve Austin ended up getting that by into the semifinals and you have Steve Austin and mankind. And of course, during the match, Vince and the goons come in mm -hmm. because they can't let Steve Austin advance. Nope. Austin hits the stunner. Yep. Vince McMahon, who had been, you know, wheelchair ridden gets out of the wheelchair. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. He He's healed. Oh my God. The big boss is back. This man gets out of the wheelchair, goes in the ring, breaks up the pin by grabbing the referee's leg. Mm -hmm. Austin hits another stunner. And this time Shane McMahon comes in because the ref had been taken out. Yep. He is an official referee. He can do such. Things. He's an official referee. He comes in and this is one of the famous moments that you remember from this time. Yes. Austin hits the stunner, goes to cover. Shane one, counts a one, two, two, and then... A double deuce. Stops and gives him the bird. Double style. And then Shane McMahon is just afraid because now he realizes, <laughs> I, just, I just screwed over Steve Austin and now I'm in the ring with him. This may have not been the best planned uh, you know, idea. We did not think of the ramifications of this plan. Who would have thought Steve Austin would be upset? Yeah. So Shane McMahon is uh, going for his life and that's where Briscoe and Patterson get involved. Austin, such a level-headed guy for a drunk. Yeah. Uh, gets hit with the chair. Mankind yeah. goes for the win. And he gets the pinfall. I love that uh, Mankind tried to flee the match at one point and needed the reassurance from the authority. I thought that was a nice little touch. It's like, I think I'm in over my head on this plan, guys. I don't think I can do it. No, no, Mankind, go back in. You got this. Yeah, because this is the first time he actually had to fight. Yeah. I mean, the, the Al Snow wasn't much of a fight. 
Obviously, the Dwayne Gill wasn't much of a fight, so now he's actually fighting for the title. His fun and games of being the corporate champion are kind of over because now he actually has to earn it. Yep. You know, he was given... Mankind comes out with the hardcore title. This is in the period where Mankind was given the hardcore title for his service to Vince, which was the old winged eagle, eagle or one of the previous belts. Right. Not even the winged eagle belt. It was the belt before that. So he gets the hardcore title. And he's trying to appease Vince. And he does his best. And Vince's goons help him. So now Mankind is sent to the final. And at this point, Jim Ross is telling you on commentary that, okay, it's a foregone conclusion. The authority is going to let Mankind win. Our best hope was Steve Austin. He's out of it. And we have the angle after this match where Vince runs off because Vince is all healed. He runs off with his, uh, with his goons and with Shane. They get in a car. They take off. Steve Austin steals a car and chases them. <laughs> right, right up to the exit. So we, <laughs> It's weird because the, cut, the cut's like about half a second too late because all they did was drive up that... that Part. They didn't leave the arena. Right. So now this is where you kind of get the story coming up on the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not so bad now. Because right. that was so bad. It's not so bad now. Um, Austin steals. He goes. He follows him. So now you think, okay, maybe they're gone. They're right. out of here. They're mm-hmm. not coming back. We finally have a fair fight between The Rock and Mankind. If The Rock can get by The Undertaker. Yes. Big Boss Man comes out again during this match. And yes, Jim Ross, he had... he's still in full cell mode. Like, mm-hmm. they are just not going to let the rock get through. <laughs> but this time, it's not Big Boss Man who helps the rock. Kane comes out. Kane, not happy that the Undertaker beat him earlier, decides, you know what? I'm going to come out and not attack the Undertaker first. I am going to choke slam the rock. Yeah. And because, they were teasing it. Are, yes. are they together now? Oh, my God. They're in cahoots again. Nope. Undertaker. Gets attacked by Kane right after that. But because Kane chokeslammed The Rock first, The Rock advances via DQ. Because why not? This one is the one where they weren't, they ran out of clever ideas. Right. So we're like, okay, how are we going to do this one? Well, how about Kane attacks the one he's not mad at first? Kane's just a machine. He doesn't really think about what he's doing. So he went in there and he attacked The Rock first. And then instead of the two guys who screwed him out of the match earlier. Why not? Sure. Why not? I could deal with, at this point, I kind of wish I went on YouTube and just watched Kane returns and Kane attacking people that he wasn't (laughs) mad at because he's done it before. When he came back after the Wyatt family kidnapped him, who'd he attack? Mark Henry. Yeah. That was misplaced aggression. I love Kane returns on WWE TV. Don't ask me why. I just love them. I wish I would have gone and done that for the next 13 minutes instead of watching the tag title match. I'm surprised that was never a title of a WWE pay-per-view. Misplaced aggression. It doesn't sound strong enough. <laughs> oh, this tag title match is the worst. This is the worst tag team match in the history of tag team matches. Dave Meltzer it's gives even, it one it's star. Even worse, it's even worse than that TNA mixed tag match or whatever it was that they had that one time. It is yeah. the, is, is the single-handedly the worst. Because these are guys who are supposedly... Uh, are, th- not supposedly they they have actual talent but this thing was a mess because someone watched an ecw triple threat match and said you know what we should do that for tag teams but instead of having two people at once and just having a tag teams that you can tag in no we should have one member from each team in the ring at once and then we should have the referee just not know the rules yeah he's not counting any rules there are guys at the finish there are four guys in the ring 
and Mosh has just uh, Mosh has just gotten someone out of there. It might have been Thrasher, actually, because the Headbangers are in this match. It's the New Age Outlaws versus the Headbangers versus D'Lo Brown and whoever the fuck. Mark Henry. Mark Henry. who He's still around. Go figure. Uh, the only one in this match who was awesome is Billy Gunn. No surprise there. D'Lo Brown is awesome without having to do anything. Yeah, and, and that's what it kind of is. D'Lo Brown doesn't do a whole lot. He's got the full wow. the chest plate and all this. Um, a precursor to lowdown. When, when I would have never thought that this, you know, again, quick, kind of quick match. This might have been one of the longer matches on the show, actually. I don't have the time for it, but it felt like it went on forever. However long it was, it was too long. So long. Oh, God, the New Age match. Outlaws win. Billy Gunn hits the pile driver, like the regular Jerry Lawler Memphis pile driver. Yes. Gets the pinfall with Thrasher in the ring, not breaking it up. Thrasher's <laughs> just got his eyes elsewhere for some reason. Yeah. This thing was a mess. And and the crowd was so quiet during this match where Billy Gunn goes for the cover after the pile driver, and the crowd doesn't think this is the fall. They don't even know what to think anymore at this point. They're just ready to see who's going to be the WWF champion. This match was so bad, I thought it'd be a favorite of a tough enough contestant. So, That's how bad it was. So bad. Like, you expect Cameron to come on TV on table for three <laughs> and just say, I love this match. And just have that Austin look like, what? <laughs> but Billy Gunn gets the pin, and the crowd for the entire count is still so quiet. Like, the pile driver happens, one, two, three. And that's when the crowd erupts, and I'm just thinking, they're just happy this match is over. Yeah, and then and then the... Uh... Yeah, the best thing about this match was someone printed out the entire uh, New Age Outlaws intro. intro. <laughs> that's a, that's the only thing. And they, that was the thing. I remember seeing crowd. that at a couple of shows. Yeah. That was a, that was a big was, thing. I think this was the first. So we've gotten through all this. Oh, God. We've made it to the finals. The finals of this WWF title tournament. The deadly game. And at this point, it sure as hell has been a game. A deadly game. <laughs> Jim Johnson is most Jim Johnsonist. There were themes like this because Mankind comes out with his regular Mankind theme to start the show. And then every time after his victories, he's got the new like pageantry theme. Oh no, no, no. He had the uh he has the uh the the soft cradle soothe the savage savage beast theme to to quell his anger afterwards. Right. Right. I love that. I love that touch of his character. That right. thing was awesome. So that soothed him. Yeah. He has that. But like that music, the Deadly Game theme, uh, Dwayne Gill's theme. Yes. It, it, you could tell that the same person was making all these, and they had an idea of what they wanted to do and just made three of them. <laughs> yeah, CFO is kind of uh, get, getting on, uh, getting into that kick now where everything sounds like a ripoff of a popular artist. Everyone but, does, yeah. But, but Jim Johnson. I like him, though. I, I do, too. I like the new themes. Uh, this I think undoubtedly, like, would you agree this was the best match of the show? The main event? Rock and Mankind? Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I mean, what would what would be the match on the show that... I am not a Rock fan okay. for some reason. I don't like watching his offense because it just looks so fake to me all the time. This, to me, had that big feel of the WWF main event style at the time. But where that did, yeah. But it's would... like, you watch Rock give a kick. He's always shaking his leg to give the kick every single oh, time. Well, yeah. He's always leaning back to give the punch. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's playing to the back of the room. Isn't That's that... what he's doing. He's playing to the back of the room. Yes, and he was taught that. And yeah. Don't you think that was the most fun thing to do? Now, I'm I'm 12. Oh, as a kid? Yes. 12 or 13. When you were doing punches, you wanted to do the rocks punches. You wanted to do the exaggerated, like, for 16 seconds, you're shaking your arm and then finally doing the punch. 
Yeah. When you're kicking something on the ground, you're doing, I mean, you're like doing gymnastics basically to finally land a kick. I loved it. Obviously, it's not practical if you were in a fight. True. But I loved it watching it. So, hey, The Rock got me. But it's got the WWF main event style. They're in the ring. They brawl outside the ring for a while. Yeah. They come back in oh, the ring. There's God. weapons. Foley was awesome in this match. Foley was 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 helping the kid out, I think. Because, I mean, he was just bumping on tables, going up to the middle rope and doing, you know, kind of the homage to the WCW stuff he would do and going through a table. I mean, he was... Uh, he was a machine in this match. So at some point in the match early on, Vince and the goons are back. Well, Vince and Shane walk down because it's John Wayne and John Wayne Jr. Yep. Vince and Shane walk out. <laughs> Big Boss Man had come back earlier, as we talked about. So they were back. We didn't know what happened to Steve Austin. For all we knew at that point, he could have been still driving around a, a car, maybe mixed up which car was Vince. Driving around St. Louis to, trying to figure out what's going on. But Vince and Shane come back. Didn't know whether to shit or wind his watch. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Comes back, Vince and Shane. They watch Mm -hmm. the match intently. And Jim Ross is just waiting, waiting for the period of time where they screw the rock. Yeah. Because obviously that's what's going to happen, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, they're going to screw the rock. Obviously. My God, they're going to, they're going to screw this, this rock out of the championship. He's the people's champ. He deserves the belt. Now, at this point, in case you weren't aware or had forgotten, this was the Survivor Series after 1997's Montreal Screwjob. Yeah. So would Vince McMahon play off of that at this show? And it's far too soon. It's far too soon, Rob. They'd never far do too soon. They far too soon. They couldn't do this. It wouldn't no. make sense. No one would remember it, surely. No. The rock hits a rock bottom. Out of the mandible claw. Mankind had gotten the mandible claw in. Rock reverses. Like, he just gets the fingers out of his mouth. Right. Goes in the rock bottom. Plants it. Doesn't get a cover. At this time, he kind of signals towards Vince. But really, it can just be played off as Rock was trash-talking Vince. Right. But then Rock goes for the sharpshooter. Yes, the world's worst sharpshooter, as done by The Rock. The world's worst sharpshooter gets him close to the uh, gl- close to the ropes, and wouldn't you know it, Vince McMahon, in a surprise no one saw coming, calls for the bell. Ring the damn bell! Awarding The Rock the victory. Yes. And the WWF championship. What happened here? By God. What happened? Well, Rock or er, Shane and Vince go in. Rock's kind of hesitant to take the belt from them. Vince and Shane have their arms open, and they all hug. The he was in fest. it all along. He was in it all along. It was a fix, damn it. It was a fix. And then everything you watched before that, if you were watching it live for the first time or watching it not knowing what was happening, like, you're right. The big boss man came out, and every time, The Rock was the one who benefited. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Now, my favorite, I loved Foley's promo. Dad, I'm kind of confused here. If if they said I only lose if I get pinned or I submit, and I did neither. I don't get it. Yeah? Well, get this. Boom. Belt shot to the back of the head. Yep. Sorry, Foley. Smarten up. Wise up. 
And that kind of seals the, uh, for the people whose side Rock is on if the hug didn't give you the first clue. Yep. So the Rock goes bad. He turns heel here. And then Foley's taken care of. And Steve Austin returns. Austin made it back to the building. With no music. He just kind of walks out. He and walks they out. And see him. And he's just kind of smiling going, oh, you, y'all you got me. You sons of bitches. Y'all got me. You sons of bitches. He, he goes. He starts the fight with the Rock. Beats down on the rock, and that is your build to what would become the main event of WrestleMania in 1999. They started it at the Survivor Series. Then to add insult to injury, he gives a stunner to old Foley. Because at this point, he's pissed off at everyone. Well, he's still Mr. Don't Trust Anybody, and of course, Foley, you know, Foley was siding with the bad guys at this point, so he he needed a little bit of comeuppance as well. So the Rock is the new champion coming out of this pay-per-view, and... This finish on this pay-per-view is something very similar to what we might see on Sunday. I hope not. We could very well see the authority pick a guy and it could be, because I mean, you know, in our raw review, we didn't fully mention this, but it's something I think we both noticed because we both made references to it. You know, when Triple H was going around backstage, the only guy he didn't talk to was Ambrose. Only guy he didn't talk to was Ambrose. Yeah. Only guy. I thought it was funny that I didn't even notice some of these talking points until today where people were upset that, you know, Kevin Owens stood up backstage with Triple H and Kevin Owens was so short. And then they sit down with Cesaro. Yeah. I had heard about that over the night. I didn't think too much of it, to be honest with you. But I I mean, I guess, you know, that that's how they do their staging too. Well, you know what this is like, everyone's talking what I heard. Nitpickery. That's nitpicking. It's nitpicking for one. But you're like, why wouldn't they hide the the fact that Kevin Owens is a little shorter than Triple H? Why are they not accentuating the fact that Cesaro is taller? So right. what if he's not a wrestler anymore? I fully expect Triple H was like, I need to be the taller man here. And my, when I'm not the taller man with Cesaro, let's sit mm-hmm. down. My presence needs to be looming at yes. all times because that's the nature of my position as COO. I'm surprised Triple H doesn't do more segments with Hornswoggle and with Torito. <laughs> I just, you know what? That's a I serious just, thing. I'm, su- I'm surprised he doesn't come out I'm, as a giant. I just think it's a bad idea to turn Roman. It's a bad idea to turn Ambrose. It, it's just a bad idea all the way around because either way, they're both going to be overshadowed by Triple H. Well, overshadowed by Triple H and you risk if you turn Ambrose heel that people are still cheering him more than Reigns. Right. But I, I expect, I think Rollins, uh, I, or Ambrose could go the Rollins route. And even though he's somewhat flashy and that you have a, a crowd, a swell of support for him, I think Ambrose would do a really good job of turning that crowd. I just think if they're going to get in bed with someone who's going to be a kind of a, uh, let's say, a uh, placeholder feud until rumble time, Sheamus isn't a bad one to do. Now, if they end up turning reins, the only sense I think you can make out of it is the fact that he realized how much of a road it was during the tournament and decided, you know what, that offer you gave me, I quite like that idea. Now, how do people react? Do they give him the booze or do they give him the you suck? I think both. Treatment. Because right now he's having a hard time garnering the favor of people because they feel he's being rammed down the throat. Yeah, they feel he's being rammed down, but at the same time, some people in the crowd are cheering him. So it's not 100% let's boo this guy. If you turn Roman Reigns heel and he goes fully committed to it and he's mm-hmm. on the authority side, 
-hmm. He could get more over as a heel than Rollins did. Yeah, and I don't think Triple H would overshadow him as much. No, especially the, if the idea is to make him the next big thing, maybe next year, maybe when Seth Rollins comes back. You'd have to give him a nice long run as a heel, though. You can't turn him face for WrestleMania. Right. Yeah. But you could okay. do something there. I, I don't know where they're going to go. I mean, for all we know, they could run with the Sheamus idea, which I would hate. Yeah. I just don't think it fits here. And you, you have this tournament for the vacant championship. Now's the time where you should make a real champion, whether it's someone who gets help from the authority or not. You know, it would be the dirt worst because I, I considered Triple H making himself the guy, his own guy, and just like pedigreeing him after the match. But if he made Bray Wyatt his guy and had gotten in bed with the with the Wyatt family, that'd be the worst, right? Might be the worst. I just yeah. if you were going to have Roman Reigns win, he can't win the title his first time and then all of a sudden lose it in a Money in the Bank. You can't do right. that. No, and you can't do the same. You can't do the same thing with Ambrose either. Right. So if you have Seamus walk out, there's no good scenario that Seamus walks out that doesn't hurt someone else. Uh, well, if nobody ever actually wins the belt. If, if no he, one was, if, yeah, but you if, can't. If it's during the course of the match and you say bro kicks Ambrose and steals a pin. Right. Well, we will see how closely it comes to the 1998 Deadly Game Survivor Series. The night where The Rock went in as the people's champ and walked out as the WWF champion. Could his cousin... Roman Reigns, follow The Rock's footsteps. Could Dean Ambrose become the pro-authority guy? I don't Kevin know. Owens. We're going to find Owens out on Sunday. Yeah. We'll find out on Sunday, and then after the show on Sunday, we will be live on YouTube, voicesofwrestling.com slash YouTube, for our live post-show, which you can watch and listen to and participate in via yes. live chat. Please participate. Voicesofwrestling.com slash YouTube. Go on the website, uh, voicesofwrestling.com, at Shake Them Ropes on Twitter. We have a link up on the website for the actual page that you can bookmark and just go to on Sunday night so you don't have to keep going through multiple steps. You can go right to the page at voicesofwrestling.com, and uh, we will see you on Sunday. Deadly game! In a world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. 
With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.